What's up, guys? You are now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 15, and we're going to cover chapters 42 through 44. And we left off last time. There was a famine coming, and the famine has hit. Now, it says in chapter 42, Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, and Jacob said to his sons, Why are you staring at one another? He said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. Then 10 brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother, Benjamin, with his brothers, for he said, I am afraid that harm may befall him. And you still see that that favoritism there that he showed with the children of Rachel. But little does he know he's sending his other 10 sons to meet their brother, his other son, that he thought was dead. Finna get juicy. <laughs> and so they come, and it says in verse 8, but Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to look out the undefended parts of our land, and he calls them out. He calls them out as spies. They say to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are the sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. So Joseph puts them under a series of tests. So he put them all in prison, bro, for three days, verse 17. And so we have, guess who stands up? We got Reuben. Reuben answers him in verse 22. Reuben answered them saying, did I not tell you do not sin against the boy and you would not listen? Now comes the reckoning for his blood. They did not know, however, that Joseph understood for there was an interpreter between them. He turned away from them and wept. But when he had turned to them, he spoke to them. He took Simeon from them. Bro, Joseph is questioning them in the order of their birth order, in the order of their age. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. They don't pick up to this, but that's cool how Joseph is giving them hints. And even if you look, he finally gives them orders to fill their bags and send them away. But he puts their money back in their sack. And in verse 28, that he said to his brothers, my money has been returned. Behold, it is in my sack. And their hearts sank, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, what is this that God has done? Bro, they know sovereignty. <laughs> they know payback. Retribution yeah. is now. Talk to me about this because a lot of people try to examine the motives of Joseph, and some say, oh, man, he's retaliating. He's getting retribution, he's getting revenge, and some landing on the other position. I think Joseph is really just examining their motives and truly testing them to see where they are. What, where do you land with that, bro? No, absolutely. I think that, that he's definitely testing them to see where they are. But I think also this may be, if anybody has any brothers, this may be a chance for Joseph to do a little picking a little bit. <laughs> I think that he's letting them be a little fearful. This is good. So he takes Simeon, and they go back. Simeon is held hostage. And so they go back to their father, Jacob. But when they go back, this is what they report back to their father. In verse 34, it says, he said, But bring your youngest brother to me that I may know that you're not spies, but honest men. I will give your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. 
I want to reveal these two brothers. You get Reuben. He stands up in verse 37. Then Reuben spoke to his father saying, you may put my two sons to death. If I do not bring him back to you, put him in my care and I will return him to you. Bro, why is this dumb? Think about this. One, this is cowardly. Reuben is saying, look, I promise you we'll bring the brother back on my two sons. This is dumb. This is not being a leader. And two, bro, you're telling Jacob that he can kill his grandchildren if you don't bring them back. What kind of sense does that make? <laughs> this is not our leader. This is not our leader. But guess who stands up, bro, in, in chapter 43, verse 8. And Judah said to his father Israel, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. We as well as you and your little ones, I myself. Bro, look at that. We have ID'd the leader. I myself will be surety for him. You may hold me responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame before you forever. This is a powerful reversal, a powerful reversal of a man who was engaging in behavior in holotry with Tamar. And now we see a leader being developed. Judah comes forth and now we have a king. He takes responsibility. He doesn't put his children on the line. Jacob's grandkids, and he says, I myself. And so we start to form our theology of a king. Kings take personal responsibility, and kings stand up for the many, the one for the many. And there's a, a technical term called corporate solidarity. All it means is corporate, many, solidarity, one. One can substitute for the many. Am I picking your brain and making you think about a certain person who could stand as a substitute for the many? Judah is starting to show us what true kings do. They stand in the gap. They stand in the place for the many. Bro, Judah is pointing us to Jesus. What Jesus would do, he would stand up and take on the sins of the world so he can free mankind and deliver mankind and pass righteousness on to mankind and pay for their debt. And he will be surety. Amen. Talk to me, Dustin. What do you think about that, man, man? Just when you were saying that, I could only think of one verse. Second Corinthians five twenty one. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Man, that's so good. And let's drop another bombshell before we wrap up. Uh -oh. It says in verse 32, so they served him by himself and them by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is loathsome to the Egyptians. Now they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. They're looking at one another with astonishment because Joseph has set them according to their birth order, bro. Can you believe that? What do you think is going through their head at this point? Man, they think that the God's setting them up for the okie doke. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to make a powerful point. This is the bombshell. This one clue right here tells us why Joseph had to go through everything he went through for the Abrahamic covenant to come to pass. It's a little nugget, but it unlocks this. 
It says the Egyptians would not eat with the Hebrews. Right. So it was loathsome to them. So look at what God does. God takes Joseph, puts him into slavery, makes him a deliverer, causes a famine to happen. Because they're intermingling, they're intermarrying, they're not listening to God. God says, okay, this was prophesied with Abraham. You remember that they would go in exile for 400 plus years. And so God gets them in a land with a people who they are loathsome. They won't eat with them. So you know they won't what? So they won't sleep with them. And so God gets them to Egypt where they can incubate. And you know how many go to Egypt? 70, bro. And you know how many are estimated to leave? Bro, like, this is conservative. Like, two to three million. That's insane. That's powerful. That's God's sovereignty saying, I'm going to make them a great nation one way or the other. I'm going to fulfill my covenant. Remember, he put Abraham to sleep. So this is all on God. So we knew this was going to come to pass. And he makes them a great nation all while sin is happening. No wonder Joseph can stand up and make the statement, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, because he gets it. And we'll see that later. I won't spill all of the beans, but I just had to drop that bombshell there because that is powerful. We're walking into chapter 44, and it says, Then he commanded his house steward, saying, Fill the men's sack with food as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouths of his sack. Put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and the money for the grain. This is another test. And so in this last test, we have him setting up Benjamin. And they chased him down. They searched the sacks and they find Joseph's cup in Benjamin's sack, verse 12. And guess what it says in verse 14? It says, when Judah and his brothers, wait a minute, hold up. Why not Reuben and his brothers? It's not the firstborn. It's uh -oh. Judah, man. Judah is our guy. So Judah becomes the spokesperson. And look at what he says. He tells them, see, Joseph is testing him. He doesn't know what's going on back home in the land of Canaan. He doesn't know how his brothers are interacting with his father, Israel. He doesn't know their development. So he's testing them to figure out where they are and trying to find out where they're coming from. And he finally figures it out. Judah recollects the entire past of what's happened. And he gives Joseph insight on how to move forward. And he gives Joseph insight. Joseph doesn't have this. He tells him in verse 32, for your servant became a surety for the lad to my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame before my father forever. There. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? For I shall see the evil that would overtake my father. Chapter 45, it says, then Joseph could not control himself before all who stood by him. And he cried. He burst out into tears. We'll pick up with chapter 45 next time. But talk to me on this, bro, because Joseph is finally figuring out the reversal. He's, man, my brothers have changed. Man. They're new men. They have been reformed. And he can't contain himself anymore. 
But Judah is our guy. He's our leader. And we're about to see that even more at the end of these chapters when Israel gives his blessing to the 12 sons. Watch out what he says to Judah. Talk to me, Dustin. Ride us out, man. Man, I just want to say that God's always been in the business of changing men, hasn't he? Amen. Even, even before Christ, he had a way to do it. But after Christ, we know that we have a little extra help. Amen. Man, that's so good. And I'm so glad to be on this journey knowing that who's our surety, bro? Man, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> He's a solid rock on which we stand. All of the ground is seeking sand. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Hey, riding.